Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of No Meat Athlete Radio. Instead of a normal ad today, we wanted to take just a minute to remind you about Compliment Plus, which is the new expanded version of our popular Compliment formula. Uh, it's now in a pill form. It includes B12, D3, DHA, EPA, zinc, iodine, K2, selenium, and magnesium, all of which are sort of hard to come by on plant-based diets, uh, but you know, without having to take a full multivitamin that gives you so many nutrients that you're already getting from your healthy plant-based diet. You can get all the details about Compliment Plus at nomeatathlete.com slash plus. That's nomeatathlete.com slash P-L-U-S. And if you do it soon, you'll see that just for Nomad Athlete Radio listeners, we have brought back the pricing that we offered to the full Nomad Athlete audience a few weeks ago, which will let you lock in a Compliment Plus subscription or just try a single bottle for less than a dollar a day. So check it out at nomadathlete.com slash plus before the end of the day on Sunday, September 9th, when that pricing expires. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Nomad Athlete Radio. Matt, I finally have a water sport to report that I think you're that I think you'll be more into. Okay, you don't have a good record here, Doug, with impressing me with water. <laughs> I know. Every time I get excited about a pontoon <laughs> boat or a stand-up paddleboarding yeah. experience, you you just poo-poo it. But I, you know, I think you might be more into this one. I don't know though. Okay, we'll see. So right. uh, I don't I don't I don't actually know if you know this or not, but I had I was up in Maine last weekend with some. Some old buddies of mine from my DC days. I didn't know that. I would have guessed Rhode Island. I thought you were up up there doing the family bit. Ah, no, I was. We were up there a couple weeks ago, but um, okay. was uh, yeah, I was visiting um, some of my best friends from DC up in Maine. One of them lives up there now, and recently bought a boat. And so Kareem, we were out in the ocean. What's that? Are we talking about Kareem? We are talking. Cream didn't buy the boat, but Cream was there. Yeah. Okay. All right. Joe, the uh, the butcher, actually was who I've talked about a few, on this podcast before. All right. Um, uh, it's it his house and his uh, his boat. Anyway, we were up there. We were floating around in the water, and he comes out and he pulls out a wakeboard. He's like, "Who wants to wakeboard?" And so I got I did some wakeboarding this weekend, which I thought you would appreciate. Yeah. How'd that go? It went remarkably well. The water was very cold because it was Maine and it was like the air temperature was 67 degrees. Right. Um, so the water was very cold, but got up my first try, had a lot of fun and uh, spent the next like three days rolling around in back pain because my muscles were so <laughs> sore. Yeah. <laughs> from falling like, or just like, from the effort of getting up? I think just from like the getting pulled and it was like just muscles I never ever used and I don't know they were like so tender. Katie would just kind of push on them <laughs> and uh, you know I was like squealing in pain. It was like I had just you know run a hundred or something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well that's fine. You know I, I agree you're right. I actually think that that is a sport I can get behind because it is fast moving and fun uh-huh. unlike those other ones that you that you've trotted out like <laughs> what, kayaking and and whatever you said stand up paddling <laughs> stand up paddling i actually tried wakeboarding once and i failed to get up i tried this uh-huh. was back in college i had some virginia beach friends and i went and did it in their whatever whatever the body of water was that we went in um i probably tried about 3 or 4 times not too many but i couldn't get up and you did well, it the first time huh yeah well Full disclosure, I've I've done it before, uh, oh, okay. like like ten years ago probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, got got right up and it was yeah, that was the first time I'd ever done anything like that in the ocean. 
Yeah. And this was like open ocean, not sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was very different than being on a lake. A lot I more, can imagine. A lot more waves and stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot more fish. I, I like. I jumped into. I jumped in. This is a true story. I jumped off the boat. Was like putting on the wakeboard, situating it on my feet, and I hear like all this noise behind me. I turn around, and all of a sudden, I'm in a giant school of fish. They they said they could like see it from the boat. They could like see it coming. <laughs> Just yeah. like this huge pool of fish that were jumping up and down and out of the water. Mm. And it was a little nerve wracking. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> As you know, I'm out on wildlife. I am not. <laughs> yeah. Any longer fans of. Oh, I I saw an article. I meant to send it to you about how oh, yeah. it was like bear attack. Like, reminder: bears are our friends, or something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like you should not be scared of bears. Okay, well that's good. I I mean I think people should know that bears. Are, we we don't need to go try to hurt the bears, but I no, of course I, not. I do think we should exercise caution around them. <laughs> not really based on any rational thought, just fear. We, we've um, had a couple of people. I don't. I don't know how often you check Twitter anymore, but there have been a couple of people who have <laughs> chimed in that uh, that your fear is very irrational. Irrational. Yeah. Yeah, I figured it would be. But <laughs> no, I haven't checked that in quite a while. Uh, but thank you anyway for including Doug. I guess on the, on the they're they're including you on the tweet. Yeah, to they me, include they me on the tweet because I think okay. they they assume that <laughs> they wouldn't get it from you. Right. <laughs> right. right. Uh-huh. Good. All right. Well, I'm glad people are coming to the defense of bears. Uh, I've had a few more bear encounters, none scary, really, but we have seen a few more, of course. And I even went on a hike on Monday, Doug. You did. Which I do not like doing at all, but I did because <laughs> uh, it was a Labor Day and my wife and kids wanted to do it, so I just went with them. Figured I'd... We live really close to this little tiny trail area, whatever it would be called. I don't think it's a trail system, but it's a four mile loop or something the trails and i went back there and walked around a little bit didn't really see any wildlife which was good but you know i don't know i like running in, in woods okay but i don't like walking in them it's just it's kind of boring <laughs> did, I don't did like the family have a good time uh yeah they really did they loved it good yeah it was good and you it, and it go, was short you enough. should go instead of just walking around the woods you should go climb a mountain get to the top have some overlooks make it more rewarding you know maybe yeah th- I, I i mean i think that would be better um i'd like to, i'd like to do a run to a top of a mountain i would enjoy that get some Let's go. exercise yeah as long as you can guarantee we won't see any bears <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm pretty sure you're gonna end up moving soon you're just gonna, you're gonna get on one of these episodes and be like i'm moving to the beach that's right and then and then a couple months later you're like i ran into my first alligator and i'm moving to the desert <laughs> that's right <laughs> And anyway, so, um, yeah, so that, that 100 miler, I haven't really, no, no developments with that, but I realized that it would require me to get back to trail running again for at least some. So, um, I'll be doing some of that, but we'll see, see if that, if that comes up for now, I've been focusing on golf. That's been my, uh, mm. my recent hobby. You know what, this actually brings up something I wanted to ask you about. Okay. Which was, I know we talk a lot about goals and habits and things like that. But we haven't really visited, I don't think, the goals versus no goals debate, which used to be a significant debate in my mind um, because our friend Leo from Zen Habits was going through this phase where he was totally goalless. And I think he did that as kind of a test. I don't know if he was naturally feeling 
goalless and just decided to go with it, which would have would be a Leo thing to do. Um, <laughs> but I remember there was at some point he debated Tim Ferriss on some kind of, it wasn't Facebook Live back then, but I remember it, it being streamed on Facebook. Um, like an official debate? I mean, there was no moderator or anything like that. But yeah, but there was. It wasn't like he was trolling. No, Tim no, they, no. They they had planned to do a conversation about goals versus no goals. I think it's while Tim was promoting uh, the Four Hour Chef, maybe. Okay. So this was a long time ago, 2012 or so, and uh, and Leo was was at that point not doing any goals, and he thought he seemed to think it like he was beyond the point of just experimenting. I think he was really arguing why this was good and why this was better. Uh, because you didn't have any attachment to the outcome and you could just do something for the sake of doing it. Um, but anyway, so we've, we've talked about that a little bit. I don't know if we've actually talked specifically about that debate too much. Um, of course, people on Facebook were like, you know, Tim Ferriss at that stage was like super ripped and all, and everyone was like, well, look at Tim. You know, like it looks like goals is the winner because look how he looks, (laughs) which was, it was dumb of course, because I mean, (laughs) I don't know. If the point was, does having goals or not having goals make you make your physique better? <laughs> of course, the goal is going to win. But that wasn't really right. the point, I don't think. But anyway, um, so we talked about like the like the drumming thing that I was into a while ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you were saying how you were in this band, and I was saying how I was doing this thing, and I was really, really loving the practice of it and the kind of meditative aspect of it. But it didn't hadn't really even thought about trying to get into a band. Um, and have felt exactly the same way about golf since I've been doing that, where I've, I've, I got this old Ben Hogan golf book, a very famous book, but one that like, when I tried to read it as a kid, I just couldn't, it was just too technical and boring and, you know, just had nothing to do with what was interesting about golf at the time to me, which was going out and playing and trying to, you know, shoot a low score. Um, but I've just totally gotten into going to the driving range taking one new little element out of this book, like I'll read a couple pages a day, and each time I go back to the range, drop my $10 bill and get a nice medium bucket or whatever whatever it is, uh, and I take forever to hit the balls. It takes me like an hour, hour and 15 <laughs> minutes to get through a medium bucket because I'm just working on these fundamentals, and I'm taking my time with like, the opposite of the way I played golf when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Because if I, if I went to the range at all when I was a kid, it was just, you know, just to pound the balls and fool around and just get it done um but this it occurred to me that this is exactly like the drumming thing that i was doing where with that it was it was you know what many drummers especially would consider extremely boring which was getting these jazz books and working through them and just doing the exercises without playing along with music so kind of like essentially goalless drumming and goalless version of golf um and I've really, really enjoyed it. And I feel like it, I've also been happened to be reading recently a book about flow states, kind of the classic book about that, which is, you know, a little bit even antiquated now, I think. But um, it just occurred to me that that's what, that's what this, these things are. It's getting into this thing where my mind doesn't wander. It's just totally absorbed in the task and totally at peace and pleasure, just doing the fundamentals of the task without any attachment to how it goes even, um, and certainly not with any aim, you know, of some resulting outcome other than I will improve at this thing. Um, and I, I just found it really interesting. I mean, I, I found it enjoyable. At the same time, sometimes I'll look back, or, or when I'm not doing it, I'll look at it and say, why am I spending this time doing this stuff? 
mm-hmm. um, when there's not really any outcome. And, and I've done something similar with cooking recently. I've been trying to cook meals almost every single day. Sometimes, you know, sometimes for lunch, sometimes family dinner. Um, but I, I keep wondering why am I putting this many hours into something? And I'm focusing on learning with that too. It's, and there's not really any, there's no goal. I'm not trying to become a professional chef. I'm not trying to become a pro golfer. I'm not trying to do anything really tangible. And so I don't know. I, I've suddenly had this appreciation for the goalless thing, uh, while at the same time really missing that feeling of having a goal that you're really, really excited about. Uh, and I think that's probably why the hundred miler has suddenly seemed appealing because that that is a tangible like accomplish this result, get this outcome uh, right. idea. So anyway, I don't know. I just wanted to see what uh, yeah what you thought about all that. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting because I feel like we've talked a little bit abstractly about these kind of ideas, but. To see you kind of put in them, like how how it's how it's changed, your opinions change, and how you're actually focused on them with with the golf and everything. So, uh, let's go back to golf for a second. What um what's an example of one of the things you're working on at the driving range? Uh, like grip is a good one. Uh-huh. First first three or four sessions, I just focused on grip. Yeah, that's pretty boring. What I was gonna yeah, say, it's <laughs> and it's was... and it's also. I'll let you go in a second. But, like, I remember when I was a kid, if I would change my grip, I basically I wouldn't change my grip. Because if you tried to do that, you'd feel like you had never played golf before mm. when you're trying to hit balls. You suddenly can't hit, and it's just the weirdest feeling. And it takes, you know, it takes many sessions to get used to a new grip. So it's just, again, the antithesis of the way I used to practice golf. Right, right. Yeah, what I was going to say was that, like, if it was something like spin or something like that on the ball... Right. Which I'm sure is one of the, some you know might come up one day. Um, you know, it kind of sounds like instead of just some big goal, some massive scary goal, <laughs> you're like you're like focused on little micro goals, right? And um, you know, just you know, you read something about how grip will help your swing or whatever, and you want to go out and you want to work on grip, you know, in the same way that like used to want to work on cadence or something like that mm-hmm. uh, with your running. So it wasn't, they were like little micro goals that, that would, you know, have in the past been part of a bigger picture goal probably. Uh-huh. And you don't seem to have that bigger picture goal, but you're still kind of focused on those little micro goals. Yeah, I think I think that is correct. I, what's what's different now is, is kind of what you just said, that the, the big goal that all those little things are toward, like getting a perfect grip, I don't know if there's perfect or not, but but getting as good a grip as I can get. Um, the only thing it's working towards is building this mythical perfect swing, right? Without any right. real result. Like all I'm trying to do is really dive into what it means to swing a golf club the correct way, and that's all the goal. Is. So and that's what the drumming was. It was just it's just the same thing get, just trying to get into what it feels like to actually know how to play jazz drums is there any satisfaction that comes from you know like i don't know hitting a bucket of balls and saying wow I f- my grip feels so much better than it used to <laughs> yeah i think so yeah it, it, i would say it does because it feels like okay now i can move on to the next phase and build the next level uh-huh. of, of swinging on top of that well yeah i mean i wonder if it's just a different level of you know of, of a kind of a different way to to get the same experience, right? You're not. I mean, you're not going to like compete in a tournament and win some big tournament. You're not going to run a race and cross the finish line. And it's going to feel like everything you've worked towards 
mm-hmm. you know you've you've you know everything you've been working on has you know had this beautiful bow package whatever um but you know but you but you know like on a day-to-day basis when you're going out and you're training like it's those little mini wins that keep you going and keep you excited and you're kind of just getting those mini wins without without right. the big picture goal exactly which is is very different to me because it like with running that that was never ever the motivator to go out and get that it was only about the big picture goal and i i don't know i just have the sense that now i am doing the activity for the sake of doing the activity Mm. and but you know even that's like i don't even know if that's true because it's if you think about this golf or or drumming like the purpose of those isn't to go to the range or to practice on your own it's to play with other musicians or go play golf and do it well so i just i don't know what it is i don't know what it's it's this obsession with the fundamentals it is so opposite of what i did when i was a kid and maybe some of it has been inspired by you know the reading of the habit not the habit change stuff the the skill building kind of research there's the ten thousand hour rule Mm -hmm. all this throwing out the window the way we used to think about it, which was that you're either born with natural gift for something or you're not. And the people who become great at something are those who got this gift when they were born and they happen to develop it, of course. But if you don't have that from the beginning, you're not ever going to get great at this versus the Malcolm Gladwell uh, and many other books idea that, that that has very, very little to do with anything. Really. It's about how much time you're willing to put in of deliberate practice and having that little gift at the beginning might help you in enjoying the practice so that it helps you get it. But the real point is just that you get this deliberate practice in. So having like reached this point of regretting that I didn't understand that in my childhood and I felt the opposite. I thought it was about, (laughs) you know, whether you, you just had it or you didn't. Um, I feel like this might be a reaction to that. It's like, finally I have the discipline to do that stuff and the understanding that that's what matters. And it's like, I don't know, making up for lost time or feeling like, like that's my edge now is that I understand that compared to still most people would, would not understand that uh, just because most people don't don't read and don't pay attention to things. Uh, so I don't know. I'm, I'm at a loss for what it is, but I'm enjoying it and uh, just figured figured it'd be yeah. worth bringing up. Well, it, it is really interesting and it's something that, you know, it's like I, I'm thinking a little bit about this with, uh, with my running too. I've been... I've, I've been thinking a lot about like what motivates me with running. Cause I've, I've still, you know, we've talked about this plenty of times before, um, but I'm still feeling a little lost with, with what to do with my running. And I was like, mm-hmm. like last week I, I put my name in for the lottery for a local race here that, um, that I've been, that I've done the past several years, you know, it's just kind of like I always do it. And and in the process, I was on my ultra sign-up page, which is like a results page for ultra marathons and trail races. And uh, and I realized I only had two results for this year. And, and I'm like looking back at previous years and, you know, there's way more than that. You know, every year I've gotten five or more every year. And I was like, man, I just I haven't done anything this year. Like, what is that about? And, um, you know, and I've just been thinking about like what's motivating Why Why do I... What's what's motivating me behind that, and is it the, is it the or what I, what what's my draw towards running? Is it that big goal? Because in the past it really has, at least in part, been that big goal and those results, um, or is it like a love for running and being out and playing in the, in the woods? And and I certainly love that as well. But like like where do those two kind of 
intersect mm-hmm. and which one is more important than the other you know is the results really just to kind of have an excuse to go out and play in the woods is it a reason to, you know is it a way for me to kind of prove to myself that i can do something like what what is what are the what's the point of the results and right, right. now when i'm not that motivated by a result like what is where does that leave me with my running Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's very, very similar to what I'm doing. Yeah, well, kind of, except that you are working on the the fundamentals, and I really haven't been. I've just kind of been stuck in this limbo. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's true. But you've still been running, right? Yeah, yeah. For the enjoyment of doing it. That is true. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. So, yeah, slightly different for sure. Cool. So what what happened to your... uh, Pushing a baby stroller and self-supporting your own back and forth. Pushing a baby stroller. Whatever you were going to do. Uh, no, I'm still going to do that. I'm still going to do it. And, and I finally again? picked Just a weekend to do it. What's that one for those who don't know? Um, it's the it's the unsupported pitchel run. Running from Mount Pisgah to the top of Mount Mitchell. It's about 63 miles mm-hmm. along. Basically, we're along one single trail. You kind of deviate. Near the near the summits, but um, and that will not show up as a result on your. That will certainly not show up as a result. And I've been debating even whether to like, whether you know. I mean, obviously, I've talked about it on here, like about how I want to do it, but like whether I even want to write about it, whether I want to just kind of like have it be. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that's that's really interesting, right? Because that that isn't just I'm being kind of for lack of a better word, lazy, and just going out and getting my runs in, that's actually working towards something that won't be a result in your official way of counting results. Mm-hmm. And maybe you won't even make make it a result in your own way right. of talking about it, right? right? I mean, so I think that's really interesting because then, then that sounds like putting in a lot of work on something that isn't, really for anything but that's not goalless right there's that is a goal there it's just it's just a very different yeah it's not a goal it's, it. it's yeah it's a different motivation and like what it's one that certainly isn't motivated by i want people to know that i did this or right or you know i want all my friends on facebook to see see what i did yeah yeah which seems kind of weird like as, as you know as uh i don't know self-centered as that sounds like it seems kind of weird to do something like that and and not have anybody know about it you know yeah, yeah it really does which is why it's an interesting exercise i think mm-hmm. like not not just that day but even the even the hours you're putting in that will go into the training for it right um yeah i think i think you will learn a lot about yourself and just what it means to to be putting all those hours in for something that you know is not going to come with any party at the end maybe right. you have a party maybe that's what you should do just have a big party. Just have a little, have a party. We'll present you with a medal, <laughs> and maybe a trophy that we make. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's interesting. And went so you picked a date. You said I picked a date. I'm not gonna tell it to you because I don't know if I'm gonna tell anybody whether I did it or not. <laughs> okay. But no, I, which feels good because like it had been this abstract thing that I was like somewhat working towards, and um, it just felt because without a date, it felt incomplete and things just kept coming up on weekends that i thought i might do it and it just um you know just like you know it kind of kept getting pushed aside so now it is officially on the calendar and um you know something i can be working towards and something that 
shouldn't in any way get uh, knocked away from other plans. Right. Interesting. I I think this could become a movement, Doug. I think this is an exciting idea. This is what the world needs right now. Right? When when everyone is entirely focused on short-term positive reinforcement, just doing what will get more likes and more comments and make mm-hmm. make you look better to more people. I think I think the internet could use a movement that is all about private secret achievements. Mm. It won't spread. I don't it has any, no way of viral <laughs> I think spread. by definition it wouldn't spread because <laughs> right. no one would be talking about it. <laughs> but it could be an underground movement. Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> an underground movement. I mean, you know, it's like yeah. And then it's like do do I like actively try to keep it a secret, you know? Like how far do you take it? Do you just not like put right. it on social media and you know, and not not put it on the blog and that kind of thing? Or do you like you know, but but you can tell your friends and you know, <laughs> right. I don't know, or or is it yeah, I don't think something you like actively try to keep a secret? secret? And they're like, man, Doug kind of disappeared this weekend. Where did he go? And they're like, oh yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you just tell anyone who asks. Yeah, I don't I don't know how you do. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. But because then so. I mean, you can never you can never share it to anyone. Like ten years from now, you can't tell anyone you did it unless they ask. Do you have any secret goals you accomplished? Uh-huh. Yeah, any secret goals? <laughs> oh, man. Maybe, maybe, here's what I should, no. This, here's what I should do. I should start this movement. I should do all these amazing things, mm-hmm. not tell anybody about it, and then, like, 15 years from now, write a big book about all of them and cash in on all of them and make it all worth <laughs> it. There you go. <laughs> That's a great idea. There's a lot of risk involved with that plan. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds pretty flawless to me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's something I want to talk to you about, too. Okay. That came up today. So yesterday was um, Eliza's first day of preschool. Nice. Yeah. go. She went off on her own for four hours. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've been having, like, the, the like, like the, in the build-up, there you have family meetings and, you know, you go in like, see the classroom and all this stuff. And the way that her preschool works is that the parents provide the snacks. So, but you, um, like everybody provides a snack every two weeks or something. So all the kids eat the same thing. Okay. Does that make sense? I think um, so. And you can, it's nut free. Everything's nut free. Of course. But, um, you know, it's obviously not vegan by default, right? So people know there's two kids out of eight that actually are dairy-free, okay. which is kind of nice. Um, but, you know, no one else is, and I'm sure many people will bring in snacks that aren't vegan. And, like, the list of approved snacks, most of them are not vegan. Um, <laughs> and it's been – it was kind of like I'm, I'm – facing my first time decision really first time when we have to like decide you know we we want eliza to grow up being able to make decisions for herself and like come to uh you know come to veganism in her own way but obviously she's too young to like know what decision she's making now and so we have to kind of make decisions for her like that that's the kind of parenting issue that every parent has to face regardless of what it's about but um especially mm-hmm. when it comes to food. Um, and so 
like we have to make that decision for but you know at the same time like it kind of breaks my heart a little bit to think about her sitting at a table with all these other kids who are eating something and the teacher having to be like no you can't eat that you have to eat this this apple slices instead yeah what did you guys do with stuff like that it's, I was just wondering that because it's not a super clear memory in my head of this conflict, but I understand what you're saying and they both seem sad or sort of, you know, like difficult, you know, neither outcome is great. Um, I believe what we did was from that age on some of the school, like we did, I think we did, Montes- I know we did Montessori school for my son's preschool and for that I think they always made sure that they had something for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've always sent in. Some, so they've never had, they've never just defaulted to the class snack. Um, I think we didn't ever have the thing you're having of thinking it seems sad that they won't be able to have what everyone else is having. I think our kids just got used to that from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And they just, that's just what they knew was that, was that they did a different thing than most of the other kids and they weren't the only ones other kids had their own thing too where other kids for different reasons got you know an alternative snack um it, it that has not been a big deal for us i don't know why i think i think we just were okay with that and it, it has not been a sad they never complained that how come i can't eat that occasionally we have the birthday party situation where it is that if we forget to like stop at whole foods and get a vegan cupcake or something Right. Then there's this little bit of like they're sad that they don't have something and say, Oh, we'll stop and get it afterwards or we'll have this at home. And usually that's been fine. There's been a few times when it hasn't. And I, we might have just said, and actually, I, I wouldn't be embarrassed about this at all if we did, but we could, we may have said, like, you know, just, you know, have it if you want. It's your choice. And I think sometimes they've chosen to have it, but no specific instance jumps out. Um, these days, now that they both know, one's eight, one's five. Uh, I don't remember the last time, if there was one, that they chose the non-vegan thing. They both are are really into being vegan for being vegan sake. They just they just mm-hmm. think they've just done it long enough that that's sort of who they are, and it would seem very strange for them not to do that. So, yeah, um, yeah. I, I I don't think you you need to. I mean, I, I don't really know, but I don't think you need to worry that much about it seeming sad that they need something special for her. Mm-hmm. As long as it's as good, right? As long as it seems right about as good. And that's that's kind of the tricky thing is like we can provide they'll they'll give her snacks they'll give her vegan snacks if we provide them. Mm-hmm. Um, you just gotta make them good, make them better. We just than gotta, yeah, we just gotta make it special, I guess. Um, but like like the other day, so we had uh, in the lead up, they had like a family clean up the clean up the uh, playground thing where we were like spreading mulch and everything, mm-hmm. and. Um, the kids were running around and the adults were working and slash watching the kids. And, um, but they had donuts, which seemed weird to me that like they would have donuts as a snack and not something healthier. (laughs) So I wasn't crazy about that to begin with, but like all the kids were eating like donut holes. And, uh, you know, of course Eliza wanted a donut Yeah, and we didn't, we didn't let her have one. Um, you know, but she got upset and like, she's too young to like rationalize that the, like we can have one when we go home kind of thing. Right. Like she doesn't, I don't think she really understands that, you know, we can say that, but, um, she, she doesn't quite understand. So it's just been like, for the first time really ever, we've kind of been dealing with this and, um, I don't know. I just, we're having to figure out how to, how we want to parent around that. I think. Yeah, that's hard. I think, 
my wife is very, very good at being prepared for, you know, any possible development. And so she seems in that kind of situation, it's always been like, well, we have this chocolate chip cookie instead that you can have that is vegan. Yeah. And she happens to have it on her. So it's not been like, you know, only when we get home. Um, so it's Katie's fault. Totally Katie's fault. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I feel for you. I actually, as you were talking, I, I remembered one instance in particular when my son Holden chose a non-vegan thing, and it was because the cake had like whatever picture was on it at the time, Ninja Turtles or something. Yeah. And it was like we just can't match that with our with our Whole Foods chocolate <laughs> cupcake that looks amazing. It just doesn't have Leonardo on it, so it's not uh-huh. gonna not gonna do it. And so he had that. I remember, and we told him we said, "Look, here's the deal. It's not vegan. You know all this." And he and he chose to have it. And he was probably four back then. I don't know what he was. Um, but yeah, but, but it just, it turned out the way that I wanted. Cause now he, he didn't ever, it's not like being non-vegan is now this amazing forbidden fruit that he always wants at any right. opportunity. Right. It just, you know, I think, I think letting him make that choice kind of made it so that he, he he's, I don't know. It just, it just seems normal and it's fine. And we haven't made a big deal out of anything. So yeah, I feel for you, but I think you're in a good, uh, I mean, we're very lucky to be where we are. Totally. As far as the friendliness of it. Yeah, everybody everybody seems to really understand and be supportive of it. Um, and actually, it's like we, we met this other family who, for different reasons, is dairy-free. Um, and we, I think what Katie and the other kid's mom are, um, are going to do is maybe get like a, try to get the same snack, like cool snack. Uh-huh. So Form then they can like click. sit there in their own corner and have their like special snack. Yeah. Make all the other kids jealous, you know? I like that. <laughs> form, form a click. Yep. Form a little non-dairy click. <laughs> yeah. Dairy-free click. I like it. Good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Good. Well, we've, we've started kindergarten and uh, for my youngest, and we had to extract her from underneath the couch on day three she, oh, no. she just for the first five days she cried she loved it but she loved the school when she got out and she said said it was fun every day but going in every morning just didn't want to leave the house just did not want to go in again and one day went under the couch and it was this ugly scene uh, she just came out covered in dog hair <laughs> like like two minutes from leaving <laughs> but anyway she's she's gotten better and she's she's really digging it now so that's that's good very nice that's good Yes. So, uh, what else, Doug? Only only other news I have is that I, as I said, I've been cooking a ton. Uh-huh. Um, I got that book called Osteria, Osteria, I don't know how you pronounce it in Italian, but I should know that. Um, but it's a great book. I, what I really love, as we talked about a few episodes ago, um, I really, really like taking traditional, authentic, almost vegan recipes and just making whatever slight tweak it requires to turn it vegan a lot of this what's for lack of a better word called peasant food uh does not involve fancy ingredients actually a lot of these things like one i made yesterday was called um pasta with the chicken that got away or pasta in the style uh, you know these italian things that mean in the style of um but it was chicken escapada or something and it's, and it's the chicken that got away and it's basically this old recipe that the, the idea would be simulate the presence of an expensive back then ingredient like chicken without having that in there. So it's just onions, carrots, celery, garlic, ton of olive oil, um, and pasta. Oh, and some tomato paste and some red wine. And, you know, I don't know that it tasted like chicken, but it was a really good pasta dish. Uh, 
And that one was vegan as is, if you don't add cheese at the end of it. But I just love making those kind of foods. I don't know what it is. I just have have really, really enjoyed making these old traditional foods hmm. that are not flashy at all. Um, and here's what, what's gotten interesting to me is that many of them aren't even healthy at all either. <laughs> like, like the, I have a, a post on Nomad Athlete from the very old days that was called Eat Like a Poor Person or something, uh, which I probably wouldn't write these days. It feels like that that somebody surely would be insulted by that. Um, but it was from Born to Run. There was some coach, some running coach or something. And in the little bit they talk about nutrition there, uh, they talk about this one coach who advises people to eat like a poor person. And his idea was, you know, a lot of the Kenyan runners are eating very high complex carbohydrate meals, a lot of lentils and rice, uh, rice and beans, many other things, vegetables, of course, but th- that just very heavy, starchy sort of things, but without a lot of meat or any meat sometimes. And for the most part, very, very cheap economical ingredients. Um, and so I, for a while I had, that was sort of what I thought was healthy. And that still is kind of like what uh, Dr. McDougall, who we had on the podcast. Yeah, that's kind of What was it? Maybe a year, year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is kind of his version of healthy, which is, I hadn't, hadn't really occurred to me that, to make that connection. Um, but this is very different from the healthy that most people in the plant-based community think about these days, which involves lots of fruits and vegetables, antioxidants, um, anti-inflammatory compounds in many of these foods, but just the fresh fruits and vegetables, the fresh produce, and that stuff isn't really that cheap. Uh, so that doesn't show up in a whole lot of the, this peasant food. Um, and again, I'm not trying to like say I'm better than a peasant because I'm making this quote unquote peasant food. It's just, it's just what it is referred to as in the books. Um, but anyway, you know, lots of olive oil. So like I've, I've recently not been even close to oil free still in like my normal cooking. If I'm, if I'm making, if I'm not in this mode where I'm doing whatever this thing is that I'm doing, this diving into cooking for whatever reason, (laughs) Uh, if I'm making the dinners that we like have made over the past few years, I'm not adding any extra oil to those. It's still either very little or no oil at all. And my wife, when she cooks, doesn't use it. But like in these things, I'm for the most part, not holding back. Now this meal yesterday said a cup of olive oil and I just couldn't do it. I just, <laughs> I just could not bring myself to do it. So I probably used a quarter or a half, which seemed like a ton of oil in the, in the pot and it's supposed to feed eight people. So it's not that much per person, but very, very different from the way I've been eating. And I have hit this strange... Con- oh, and I got into deep frying some stuff, too. So I made these fried potato, potato croquettes. Um, not air frying? Not air frying. That's not in the authentic Italian peasant food cookbook. <laughs> 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 they don't have... It hasn't been invented yet. Okay. Uh, I'm but, sure now they're using air frying. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, like, another good example. The, these fry... Like, how to use up leftover bread. And I, and you you supposed to toss not toss it but but you know mix it with an egg-like mixture and i have several different egg substitutes that i use for different purposes my favorite usually for pastas is just silken tofu and a tiny bit of olive oil because you get the fat and protein content that would roughly match an egg plus it's wet doesn't bind quite the way an egg does but anyway um so i've i've done that and like so to make this fried it's it's just i don't know why what is the charm in having a recipe to use up stale leftover bread uh, when that recipe takes a ton of time and makes you get out the deep frying, you know, setup, which for me is this bottle of olive oil that I just use for deep frying and reuse in my Dutch oven. Not not like a really professional deep frying setup at all, but ton of effort to use up a half a loaf of stale leftover bread. Uh, but it's like really good and it just 
I don't know what it is. It just feels like I'm just putting love into this food when I make it. And I have wondered, does any of that counteract the fact that this is very unhealthy compared to what I'm used to eating? You mean the joy you get from doing it? Yeah. Like, like you know how there's that, there's this, this that it's a study. I don't know if it's a real one or if it's sort of of the apocryphal variety, but where people who ate chocolate thinking that it was bad for them had pretty much that effect on their body and people who ate the same chocolate thinking mm-hmm. that you know being told chocolate is healthy for you in some ways um that that their you know body responded differently to it and i keep wondering like if i'm doing this and and so when it's once a week or or just on weekends then i'm like this is fine i'm i it's not the healthiest food choice i can make but for the joy it brings me it is worth it in some way, whatever that is. And it's also giving something good to my family. Well, something unhealthy, but yeah. good to my family. Um, mm-hmm. But it feels good for sure. And it's a great way for me to spend three or four hours on a Saturday. It's just, it's just what I'd like to do. Uh, but as it has turned into like starting to do something like that every single day, I've kind of wondered like, is this, am I going down a bad road here? Should I just cut this off now and treat it like any other indulgent hobby and say, Weekend's fine, but not on the week. You know, it's not going to be my normal day to day. That is an interesting question, and you know, the the like pleasure it might be giving you, and like the positive kind of vibe that it's giving you, is probably not the same vibe that your kids are getting. I mean, they might be enjoying what they're eating. <laughs> that, that, that's true. <laughs> but they're probably eating. They're just mostly the. <laughs> they're just getting the unhealthy food. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you know, like. Food made with love, and uh, and it I means like let's be honest, it's not gonna be that unhealthy, right? It's not. It's certainly not the worst possible thing I could be eating. There are many more going out to restaurant. I mean, it's not like going to McDonald's. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I think if I'm if I realistic and step back and say I don't see myself doing this on a daily basis three months from now, mm-hmm. I guess it's possible that some some remote chance that I would get that into this that I just would become obsessed with deep frying food. <laughs> I just, but I've, I just have so many years and, and amount of reading and learning that, that of just, that it's just in some ways that is repulsive to me, the idea that I'm frying things in olive oil and then saving that oil in a, in a new, in a, in a, you know, bottle and reusing it and just heating that, oxidizing that oil over and over. I don't know. It just, it just right now, I think a fun little thing that will pass. Um, but I don't know. Well, I say, I say embrace it, but maybe not every night. You know, <laughs> yeah, but but see, I mean, that's not every night. Right? I'm not deep frying every night. I'm making a lot of it, and I make we make eat a lot of pasta dishes, mm-hmm. but they're whole wheat pasta, and they usually have lots of good produce with them. And there's and we don't use much fake stuff. Every now and then, I'll throw the fake vegan meat in there as a little flavor enhancer, or we'll use some sort of Miyoko's cheese or something. Yeah, even that's not that's not bad at all. Um, so I don't know. I think I think the solution is, you know, cook your own food, even that style, but just pick healthy healthy dishes most of the time, the healthier ones and save the save the fun food as entertainment stuff for the rare occasions yeah when you need to be entertained by yeah food. i think you're probably right about that but i do i i am intrigued by this whole kind of going back to the really old style yeah, of cooking it's, i don't know what it is that i keep we've talked a little bit, i've talked about writing a blog about it or doing something i just don't know if it's like has any broad appeal or am i just being weird by getting into this it seems like so many people who are vegan are in it for the health reasons and just have would have no interest in that and especially not with like the obsessive sort of mentality over it 
that I'm kind of developing. So I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. What... But it's fun. It's been fun. Maybe it'll turn into something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, keep us posted. I will do that. <laughs> well, Matt, we've been talking for almost 45 minutes here. We have. Should we get to the main topic of the episode? <laughs> yeah. Should we get into the real episode? <laughs> no, I think uh, I think this should be a little like intro episode. Okay. This will be the intro episode. The intro we'll only with episode. That, with no topic. This, would, this is our <laughs> second intro only. We had one that was just a That's right. Our, our very first one, right? They, that was less conversation and more uh, just rapid fire updates that we were doing. <laughs> yeah. Because it was the introduction to our new season. That's right. And uh-huh. we'd, we'd taken a little uh-huh. break. Yeah. I like that episode. I do. I wonder if people like an episode like this too. I'd love to hear. And and I know that like the only people with strong opinions will actually tweet at us about this or email us, but um I really would like to know if people like this kind of thing. So if you're if you listen to it and you're like, Well, I could only do this once a month And maybe that's what it'd be. Maybe maybe we should do this once a month, we'll do an interview once a month, and we'll do actual topics a couple times a month. Yeah, we need one on one towards games and segments. Downward facing dogs. Um, yeah. Does Matt know it? Every other game we haven't really. That's all we really got. <laughs> we only did Does Matt know it once? I think. Yeah, you made fun of me. I think for. Well, because I knew I it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, and you had a. Uh... No, Does Matt Does Matt know it was different from Doug's Did You Know? Right, oh, Doug's right. Did You Know was you went and found a obscure fact. Right, right, right. Either right. pulled out of your brain or you Wikipedia it. And Doug Smat, no, it was that it's like something that most people would know, right? That right, it was the, to point out my amount of ignorance when it comes uh-huh, to anything right, modern right. and you knew it, and you knew it, yeah. I did know that one. I'm one for one. <laughs> okay, well, I got to stump you next time then. <laughs> That's right. All right, all well, right. Maybe we'll come up with some sort of good format for this show. Who knows? <laughs> Two hundred. <laughs> 70 episodes in we'll figure out how to do it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> finally figure out what people want to listen to what all right doing. anyway thanks for listening uh one final reminder check out compliment plus it is nomadathlete.com slash plus and uh it's our new vegan supplement that has just the stuff that is hard to get on a plant-based diet without all of the stuff that is plentiful in the healthy foods you're eating uh so check it out there's good pricing through sunday september 9th so nomadathlete.com slash plus P-L-U-S Perfect Alright Alright Matt I will talk to you next week Sounds good Thanks everyone Bye-bye. Bye Bye